Welcome to Crossing Face, where a Christian and Muslim talk religion and politics. I am John Pinna with uh, Muslims for Muslims International, and my colleague, Matthew Hawkins, uh, is uh, joining us from his front porch. There may or may not be a banjo on his lap. Uh, no banjo here. And, and uh, former director of government relations for the Southern Baptist Conference. So how are you doing, Matthew? Convention. Convention. Baptist Convention. But, but you, have you changed the name yet? We, there's some dis- dispute of what's going to happen with the name. No, 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 no news. No news on the name change. We, we talk about that every seven years or so. It's kind of like locusts. <laughs> <laughs> Which are supposed to happen in Tennessee this year. It's kind of like locusts. <laughs> it's like a common, it's a common theme at, at the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> so well, John, I, I, I just finished uh, shortly. Uh, I just finished my 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 training regimen today for the Murph, uh, the the Murph, the Murph challenge uh, for Memorial Day, and man, kicking my butt. But all right, well, good to get, I mean, good to get exercise. But uh, appreciate you adapting and uh, recording from your end. I just wanted I needed to sit out on the porch uh, and enjoy the lush greenery uh, while we chat. Are you? I mean, is are you, is that? And I'm rehydrating. Purpose? Is that the purpose, or are you are you banned from the house? Are you? Is this the? Is this the? Well, the dog house and and the actual house is the front porch. What did you do? What yeah, egregious crime off, did you commit? In the my home? wife is also is off work today, and so she was using the living room to work out. So I I wanted her to be able to do that free and clear without uh, worrying about being caught on camera. Because she, she <laughs> in our conversation. You know, I just I just caught a, a post of your wife on on Instagram. She's eating a bag of chips and watching a movie. I think she's. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty safe bet because we're uh, when we chat there, back and forth. If there I'm are chips fasting. in the house, that's a scandal. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fasting today. I, I so you're you're supposed you're in Ramadan. You're supposed to be fasting, but you're not. What's up with that? What, what's your where are you in the uh, the Ramadan uh, observances and festivities? So half Ramadan was last week. That's like a big deal. Like you're at 15 days, and I've been doing like straight fast, you know, tr- and keeping everything on point. I injured myself yesterday. Uh, so I, I'm not able to, which is there's specific reasons you can break the fast. Okay. So one is if you're traveling. So if you're, uh, if you're back in the day, there are people were on caravan traveling and it was a tough ordeal. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to fast. Uh, and if, if, if a lady's on their cycle, no, no fasting. Right. And if there's a medical issue, no fasting. So there's a, and and there's, there's, there's a peppering of other reasons and there's a threshold of where and what you can't do, can and cannot do. I'm very critical of people that come up with undiagnosed, you know, uh, uh, ailments. Well, well, you know, I get headaches, you know, or uh, I have diabetes, which they not diagnosed, you know, that's, that's, if you have it fine, if you don't, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of fake fasting out there. And, and I've, I've, gone through the struggle of not being able to fast. And the bottom line is if you don't fast, you just pay, it's basically you pay a fee, you know, and that's really yeah. all you do. And you just, there's yeah. a certain amount of money per day that you can pay to get out of it. And so, and, and that's, you're supposed to do that. Even if you have an ailment, you're supposed to, cause you know, it's, it's like zakat, it's a, um, like a donation. Right. So, um, but, uh, but you sent me this article about this apricot drink. 
to break yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Religion News Service had an article about some apricot drink that is uh, getting popularized and gets the gets the halal endorsement, I guess, for breaking the fast. So so here's the problem. What's that about? Well, okay. Well, so there's number one, everyone's trying to come up with new innovative ways to break the fast without breaking the fast. So they get credit. <laughs> um I so breaking the fast is called iftar. That's the, so you, you do mugger prayers, you, you, you salat out, you pray. And then you, and then you, you're, so you would, what you do is you'll, you'll break the fast. You'll eat a something or take a glass yeah. of juice or uh, what is it called? The uh, dates, dates are a big thing. I don't do that. I don't do the dates. I'm a, uh, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the, uh, the, what's it called? Camp, the, um, you know, the fig camp. Oh, figs. Yeah, Turkish yeah. fig camp, you know. So that's where I am when I break the fast. Like I said, today I'm not fasting, but tomorrow I will because I'm under I'm under care. Um, but uh, in different populations, use different things to break the fast. So like, so I have some props here. So at the bakery, we're doing rulabza, which is like a rose, okay. like a sugary rose drink. So, and then... Uh, so we do ruabza and we do we do figs. I have a big thing of dates, but I have just I'm just traumatized by the date situation because I always end up at a function, you know, whether it be like you know, be a White House function, governmental function, whatever it would be, and yeah. you're stuck with the pit in your hand. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes a fiasco. Or I'll take it and I'll put it in my pocket, and then three months later I'll find it. Gross. So I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm food off. with pits are kind of a fiasco with. Uh, I'm off dates. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've. So I'm in the fig camp, and then. Uh, and so I'm doing that, and we're making some some pink tea, some uh, Kashmiri chai. That's the. Right. Hold on, that's oh yeah, nice. So it actually turns out pink if you do it right. Oh, interesting. So I mean, I, you know, I think that uh, you can break the fast with whatever you want. You know, I mean, that's that's fine. You know, it's but the pa- the pattern here seems to be something that. Uh, like you said, you're uh, it, something that spikes your blood sugar. You got it. Dates, figs, all day. Got juice. Yeah. 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 I mean, but the, the problem is, are the challenge? Look, you you rock into your fasting. First couple of days are tough, and then after a while, you just go down to your one meal. And this is what people don't realize: Ramadan's a big party. <laughs> Once sundown hits, it's a free for all. <laughs> it's a free for all until sun up. So everybody's, you know, the community gets together, everybody's hanging out, everybody's doing this, you can eat whatever you want. Um, and so, so it, it's, there's a, a yin and a yang to it that is, um, and there's, there's, there's planned unbalance, you know, so it's, the, there's the idea, <laughs> you know, because a community, you know, and your community wants to come together, you want to host people for Iftar, you want to get together, you want to do all this stuff. And so, um, did I ever show you this? I show you this. I had, I had a, someone come in and gave me one of these. Oh yeah, but it looks like a cookie, doesn't it? It does look like a cookie. I really feel like eating this. So this is part of my the clients that come in here, and you know they're always trying to. That's pretty. You know, yeah. So if it was a cookie, would it be? Could you eat it? Or is that blasphemous? I don't think it's blasphemous. No. So it looks like, like it might what, be a little weird, but how great would it be to have a sugar cookie? You know, just doling out sugar cookies like this no so i don't know every time i see it i feel like it's a I, I, it, it just makes me want to 
So um, it's, it does look very cookie esque. Yeah. So that's that's the uh, that's the, the breaking of the fast the iftar. But like I said, I'm not doing it today. I I because I'm under care and. Yeah. Uh, but I will be back on the horse tomorrow. So one one headline that we wanted to talk about this week was that the Biden administration um, made made some headlines talking uh, with new news about uh, an issue that you and I care about and have tracked for a long time, and that is the refugee resettlement program here in the USA. And uh, the short of it is that uh, he is increasing the, I guess, the calendar year, the fiscal year limit of what the Trump administration had taken down to as low as 15,000 resettled refugees uh, and is is ratcheting it up. Yeah, he's ratcheting, Biden is ratcheting it back up to 62,000 for the forthcoming calendar year en route to a goal of around 100,000 the following year. Right. Uh, so they've got to increase capacity in that. Um, and this he only did, I guess, after receiving some pretty serious blowback, pretty serious bipartisan blowback um, from what, when he initially, I guess, a week and a half or two ago, indicated that they weren't going to move that 15,000 threshold at all. Right. This is a response um, to that blowback is, is what I was right. going to say. Yeah. It's a response to, to adhering to the Trump era are uh was it called numbers so so it's interesting that in itself is interesting that he was going to adhere to this same numbers and lock that in and i mean my from my 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 contest we chatted back and forth about it and it was to you know pander to this the national security agenda of the idea of what's what's going on with this on the border and so forth so i I, and and the idea this that there's a a counterterrorism threat you know so our terrorism threat so it's interesting that those conversations happened. They came up with, and I, they came up with that they were just, they weren't going to move on it. And then after the backlash, they, they, they folded on it, which is, which is fine. Like I, you know, 60,000 is not a lot. So 60, you know, 60,000 yeah. change is not a lot. So, and there's a lot of people that are in need. Um, what's your take on it? Yeah. Well, the, when I was following this, the, the perspective I have on it goes back uh, at least to November 2015, uh, which folks might remember um, was when the Paris, the Paris terror attacks occurred. And there was a reaction um, in the House of Representatives here um, that tried, uh, they passed the House and then it didn't go anywhere in the Senate naturally, but it was something called the SAFE Act which was basically not in letter, but in practicality was just going to basically shutter the U.S. refugee resettlement program in the name of security, in the name of national security, um, which is complete nonsense. Um, Now, let me first say that people of goodwill can disagree and debate and uh, certainly any kind of screening mechanisms for resettling refugees can be always be improved. Right. Um, That's a process that takes, um, many, many months, if not years, uh, to be screened for that. And refugees don't set foot on American soil until after that screening process has been done. Right. So it's, it's the hefty. refugee, it's hefty. It's, it's hefty. Um, and in the scope of people entering the country is the point that I want to get to. Um, it's the most, they are the, the most screened population of people who come into the country. And even at, you know, a, an annual height during the Obama administration of say a hundred thousand people a year, each one of those individuals are getting months and months of screening um, uh, before they set foot on, on American soil compared to 
again, 100,000 people at a height relative to seven to eight million people who enter the country on business and education um, visas. travel, yeah. education visas, travel visas, yeah. um, you know, vacationing um, and Republicans will never, ever mess with that number. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you're talking about a, a seven to eight million per person or people, seven to eight million people per year uh, entering the country without any screening, right? Or virtually no, virtually no screening compared to this little program over here with 100,000 100, people uh, who are heavily, heavily, heavily screened. And so for members of Congress and frankly, President Trump to market that shuttering this program over here is in the name of your national security without doing anything over here um it's just disingenuous uh, and it's nonsense so it's it's really good yeah, but it worked uh, from my view to see it, it worked everybody loved it i mean the, the right. you know, oh the, politically yeah it, oh, politically it was, speaking it worked for sure you know i mean i, I how it was terrible i mean first of all we're nation of immigrants uh the only the the only the only people that you know really are that have a right to be here uh from a, a legitimacy standpoint is the, the american natives so um you know and but now you know that die's been cast so now we have you know immigrants that have come and i and 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 i have a, a big 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 issue with not allowing immigrants and refugee status to be uh embraced so i i and i fought very hard during the trump administration to try and make that happen Uh, yeah. And it was a losing battle because it, it, the, 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 I think a lot of people really enjoyed creating hardship for refugees in this country, uh, you know, yeah. sending people back home, uh, all the turmoil at the airports. I don't know if you remember all that business I do. Yeah. Um, and, and people being sent back home and, and many of them who had never even stepped foot in their homeland who were, <laughs> who were born here. Uh, um, but uh, I think that, that, I think it's a good move for the Biden administration. I, I think that they need to be very, very clear with their talking points. It's just like, look, you know, and maybe borrow it from, from Matthew Hawkins. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever said that. Uh, it's like, look, we've got eight to nine million people that are coming here illegally. Uh, we're trying to get 60,000 and change here. Uh, and they, this is the process. But I think the problem is, is that no one outlines the process appropriately and says, this is the process. These are all the things they need to go through. And in broad strokes, without becoming a nerd and getting all technical and saying it's a yeah. 20 step process. Um, and yeah. then and it's, need to it's, do that. it's the last, it's the very last solution. Like it's, a, it's not like people can enroll in a refugee program overseas and then, uh, and then pick which country they go to. Like there are a whole lot of other factors that they don't, they're not, you know, if you're, if you're a terrorist trying to come to the U.S., <laughs> the refugee resettlement program is like the least efficient way to do that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But the sad, the sad thing was that it, the refugee resettlement program was never part, never a partisan thing um, until around that November uh, Paris terror attack, and then uh, refugees, you know, got to be scapegoated uh, here in the U.S. It was a really tragic thing. So, um, and historically, you know, refugee um, uh, resettlement has ebbed and flowed. Um, the Southern Baptist Convention, way back in the 1940s. Uh, had called for the U.S. to permit uh, 400,000 uh, Jewish European refu refugees to be resettled in the U.S. And was that so, under the Lautenberg uh, Amendment? Uh, I don't know what that was. Um, I just and we had the convention passed a resolution. 
uh, in the 40s. 40s. Oh, that was post, way before post, the Lautenberg. That's way before. But post post World War II. Um, yeah, that, uh, and if 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 Americans can do that in the nineteen uh, in the nineteen forties, uh, in the in the face of Germans and uh, uh, the threat supposedly of German spies and all that kind of stuff, and we can we can assert and be confident that we can vet four hundred thousand Jews coming over from Europe, I think we can do it. You know, now um, in the in the in the twenty first century. Look, I'll say um, it. It's not the refugee resettlement program that's the problem. It's not. It's there's an immigration overhaul that needs to happen. Oh, for sure, and hundred uh, percent. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I've been very explicit about this. Everybody will say, well, well, it needs to be fixed, but we don't know what to do. And I, I, my, my solution is is to go back to what worked. Is that you create ports of entry, you know, two like two ports on the east coast, two ports on the west coast, a port maybe a port in the south. And then two in the middle of the country, like that are airports, you know, and like on the mm-hmm. borders, you know, and then maybe so two, 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 you know, maybe 12 in total. Instead of having every airport be a port of entry, you just you you go to an Ellis Island model and, you know, that where you have a complex with the hospitals, the buildings and everything else. And people come, they have to go and get vetted in real yeah. time. And it might take yeah. a week, it might take a month or whatever, but there's housing and everything else. And yeah, we started that program that uh, in not obviously not the way in which it was done back then, but a new way. And then instead of having every airport be a port of entry, every, you know, every border crossing, you have 12 spots to come in and then you consolidate all your resources in each one of these areas. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then the, 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 yeah, the immigration overhaul, uh, generally speaking, um, for border crossings and uh, asylum seekers and all that—that that, that's a that does need an overhaul, um, and that's kind of a, a separate story. But yeah, the refugee thing—always uh, all, uh, reforms can be made uh, to improve security and vetting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, by and large, um, that's that's not <laughs> it's not remotely uh, the most pressing uh, threat to American security. Um, it wasn't it wasn't four years ago, and it's not now. So. Yeah, um, appreciate you chatting about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just think about it. If you, we, we, hundreds of thousands, millions of people would come and turn the 20th century, and they were processed all. A lot of them were processed at Ellis Island. A lot of them were processed yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. A lot of people, the people got on the boat and they said they knew they had to go to New York. Yeah, and I mean, the, the world within the last uh, several years, we're at we're at, at a peak uh, of global refugees and uh, people who are uh, displaced persons even within their country and for the, for obviously America cannot solve uh, the all refugee crises um, by resettling everybody, but that's not the point, right? The point is not uh, volume relative to the world. The point is uh, communicating that Americans are confident um, that we're a city on the Hill um, and we can take uh, on refugees um, when necessary. And we're not fearful of that process, right? So it's a it's part part of this is a how does how does the U.S. place itself and communicate um, and kind of showcase our confidence um, in both our way of life and our security and our and our competence um, to engage this space and and so to to you know step back away from the refugee screening thing really I thought is a it's an expression of fear. Uh, to shut it down like that, uh, and I think um, it, rap- it doesn't work. ramping it back up. Well, it, yeah, r- ramping it back up. Yeah, uh, is an expression of American confidence um, that we're not scared of the world. Yes. So, 
that's where I'll that's where I'll end that for now. Yeah, and it speaks it's it speaks to who we are as as a country, our founding principles, all this good stuff. So you know, so you heard it here: uh, refugee resettlement from Matthew Hawkins sitting on the front porch because he's not allowed to go inside. Yes, are you a refugee in right now? Tennessee? Is that because you're a no. refugee right now in your own home? Is that what is that what this is about? Is, is this an that's appeal a fun, to your family parallel, to let right? you back in the house? All right, what's wrong with that? Okay, let me in. Let me back in. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, my friend. This all right, thanks fun. for taking the time. So, this is a little shorty. You know, this has been crossing face, Matthew Hawkins, and uh, and uh, and me, Johnny P, just hanging out a little bit and uh, talk a little policy. We talked a little Ramadan, and then uh, what do you got behind you? What are those? Uh, what are those pots behind you? Are you? Oh, those are little little uh, pots that my my daughter and her cousin are growing. I'm actually not sure what what plant is in there. <laughs> is it? I have to find out. But they but they are growing. Okay, all right. But they are growing. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are either. But yes, rights of something, and they have the names on them. The uh, the, the yeah. their initials got their initials on. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, and have a good day. And we'll we'll, we'll visit your bat, revisit everybody, everything back uh, right. next week on Crossing Face. And and That's I think great. we're going to have a pretty sexy show. I got I got uh, we're, I, we're, I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit of Hazadisa. We're going to chat about that. So, All right, sounds good. Thanks for everything, bud. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, my friend.